Paul here with today's tip to help you pass ACLS. In the years I've been teaching ACLS, heart blocks seem to be a rhythm that confuse most people that don't normally monitor patients and are a common presentation in patients with symptomatic bradycardia. How to identify a first and third degree heart block and what we can do to treat patients with them is today's Pass ACLS Tip Topic. Listening to a tip or two a day for a few weeks before your class will help to cement the key concepts needed for you to pass your ACLS written exam and megacode. Push the plus, follow, or subscribe button in your listening app now, then listen to a short, three to nine minute long episode that covers a core ACLS topic at your convenience. For more free ACLS-related podcasts, check out the pod resource page at PassACLS.com. To pass ACLS, you'll need to be able to identify rhythms on the ECG during your megacode, as well as static strips on your written exam. If you don't look at ECGs regularly as part of your job, I suggest two things. First, learn a systematic way of looking at ECGs and ECG strips so that you're doing it the same way every time. For example, I ask myself these questions when looking at ECGs. Is the rhythm regular or irregular? If irregular, is it regularly irregular or irregularly irregular? What's the heart's rate? Is it normal, between 60 and 100? Slow, under 60? Fast, over 100? Or really fast? over 150 beats a minute. And finally, what's the morphology and relationship between the P, QRS, and T waves? I suggest finding a system that works well for you and then use it. Second, identify a resource, then practice looking at ECGs every few days for a few weeks before your class. The more you look at ECGs, the easier they become to interpret, and some rhythms will immediately be recognizable. Use your sim lab, medical library, or an online ECG simulator to practice these before your class. Doing this before your class is just as much about stress reduction as it is about learning the skill. Now, let's review the characteristics of today's rhythms while looking at lead 2. In lead 2, the P waves, QRS, and T waves should all be upright. The P wave represents atrial depolarization, the QRS, ventricular depolarization, and the T wave, ventricular repolarization. Unless there's something preventing the heart from pumping, depolarization generally results in coordinated contraction of atrial than ventricular heart muscle and ejection of blood. A first-degree heart block is generally thought of as a benign finding that's identified in many patients during a routine exam and is mentioned but rarely treated. In a first-degree heart block, there's a delay in the electrical transfer from the atria through the AV node. Looking at a first-degree heart block, you'll notice the rhythm is regular, every P wave is upright and is followed by a QRS, and the PR interval, or distance between the P wave and the Q segment of the QRS complex, is constant but greater than 0.2 seconds, or five tiny boxes on a strip. If you see something that looks like normal sinus rhythm with a consistent but long PR interval, it's likely a first-degree heart block. Third-degree heart blocks are the result of a complete block of electrical impulses from the atria through the AV node. 
Because parts of the heart have different intrinsic rates with regard to automaticity, the SA node will continue to fire at 60 to 100 times a minute, while the AV node may fire at 40 to 60 times a minute, or if the new ventricular impulse is coming from below the bundle of Hiss, a rate of 20 to 40. The way we identify a third-degree block is to look, again, at the regularity and morphology of P waves in QRS complexes and the PR interval. In a third-degree block, the P waves and QRS complexes will map out regular to themselves, but there's no correlation between the two. The P to P interval is constant, as is the R to R. The PR interval is variable, and some P waves may even appear missing if they happen to fall the same time as a ventricular contraction. The P wave is there, it's just buried inside the larger QRS complex. Notice I didn't say anything about the QRS being wide and bizarre looking. The QRS appearance in third-degree blocks depends on where the block is located. If the block is high in the ventricles, above the bundle of Hiss, the QRS complex may look a normal width. As the new ventricular pacemaker moves further from the AV node, the rate will be slower and the QRS complex wider, possibly even jaggy or notched, if electricity flows up one fascicle, then down another. Patients in a third-degree block are usually bradycardic. If the patient has a decreased level of consciousness, hypotension, acute CHF, or complains of chest pain, they're unstable and should be given 1 mg of atropine rapid IV push after ensuring oxygenation, obtaining a 12-lead, and establishing an IV. Atropine works by blocking the vagus nerve effect on the SA node and has no effects on the AV node and the ventricles. It's possible that we can see atrial rate accelerate after atropine with no effects on the patient's ventricles, the part of the heart that's actually responsible for cardiac output. After the first dose of atropine, if we see the P wave rate increase, but not the QRSs corresponding to the patient's pulse, a second dose of atropine is unlikely to be helpful and can be skipped. We should begin transcutaneous pacing, or TCP. If there's a delay in starting pacing, a dopamine or epidrip may be started as an intra-measure. Dopamine is administered at 5 to 20 micrograms per kilogram per minute and epinephrine at 2 to 10 micrograms per minute. In either case, we'll start the infusion at the lowest dose and slowly titrate up until we have a systolic blood pressure above 90. Because these medications increase the workload of the heart, they should be used with caution in patients with suspected myocardial ischemia and close monitoring of vitals is required. TCP is the preferred treatment of unstable patients refractory to atropine and should be started once it's available. I cover TCP in another Pass ACLS Tip of the Day episode. For more on possible causes of bradycardia, heart blocks, and their treatment, check out the pod resource page at passacls.com. If you found value in today's review of first and third degree heart blocks, consider giving back via the link in the episode description or take a few seconds to leave a five-star review. I'm here to help you pass ACLS. Thanks for listening and good luck with your class.